This is Regenerative Skills, the podcast helping you to learn the skills and solutions to create an abundant and connected future. I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher. All right. Hello, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back. If this is your first time listening, then welcome to the first episode of the seventh season. It's now been 278 episodes over the last six years, and we're just getting started with the seventh. Uh, A lot has happened since the little break in between the previous episode where I was with my partner talking about our new project, the home we just moved into, and all of the adventures that are coming along with that. But before we get into all of those things, I want to say a big thank you to all of you who have listened to this show for this long. Some of you have contacted me, including very recently, saying how you've been listening since I was still in Guatemala, where I started this show, when I was still an intern for Natural Building with Bamboo, and through all the development that happened through the homestead and the farm project back then. It feels like a lifetime ago that I was doing that stuff, but it's, it's wonderful to hear that some of you still remember those and, and got value from those episodes and have followed me all through the journey to get to here, where I'm now settled in Spain. I also want to give a big thank you to New Society Publishers, who has stuck with me this long and has sponsored this show and made it happen and, and, and given me the confidence and support to get through this when it was a little bit difficult and I was experiencing a lot of changes through life, you know, the support coming from their side is so much more than the money. It's, you know, knowing that people with high integrity who are committed to publishing this type of information also believe in the work that I'm doing. So another incredible thank you to all of you guys there. Now, since there are so many new things happening in my life and in my work, this season is going to be quite a bit different from others. I'm still going to do interviews occasionally, but I'm also going to try out some new formats. And maybe you can hear a little bit of noise in the background, but this is going to be a new format that I'm trying out right now. As it happens, I am sitting in the airport right now at about 5.30 in the morning on Monday, getting ready to go on a flight to Costa Rica and then cross the border over to Nicaragua. Now, before I tell you why I'm going to Nicaragua all of a sudden, there is some backstory that is required for this. So many of you who have listened to this show are probably already acquainted with Mark Shepard and his incredible work at his farm, New Forest Farm in Wisconsin, as well as the book that he is most well known for, Restoration Agriculture, and his newer one, Water for Any Farm. Mark Shepard has been a huge inspiration for me since I started looking into permaculture and regenerative agriculture. And fortunately, he's been on this show a couple of times. I will link to some of his previous episodes, as well as the panel episode where we talked about water on farms with uh, Zach Weiss and Nicole Masters. And that's where this connection comes in. So two years ago, When I was helping to organize the Climate Farming Conference, the first annual one with the company that I work with, Climate Farmers, in order to help to scale regenerative agriculture here in Europe, I was fortunate enough to reach out to Mark and convince him to attend the conference. It was a dream of mine to meet him in person, and it certainly did not disappoint the conversations that we had both with him and with Karen Vanek, who is one of the main coordinators of Restoration Agriculture Development, RAD, which is their contracting and design company, as well as uh, I think Karen also runs their their tree breeding program and their nursery. Anyway, between the two of them, we got along famously. I learned so much from those conversations and, well, we stayed in contact a little bit. 
And about a week and a half ago, Karen reached out to me and asked me if I was available to come and help them out on a contract for a new client in Nicaragua. And of course, it was a dream of mine to get a call like that and an opportunity to work with such a cool company that's doing such incredible work out on the land. And so, of course, I jumped at it and I moved some things around in my schedule and now I am flying to Nicaragua. So I'm going to do something of a journal of this contract during this episode. And actually, I got to go right now because my flight is just about to board. But I will be telling you more details as I get through my layover in Amsterdam and then over into Costa Rica before crossing the border. And we'll give you an introduction into this project and what I'm going to be doing, as well as taking you on the journey with me and our project lead, Jake, as we, well offer these services and look through all of the design considerations, the observations, as well as the client relationship required to do a restoration design for the hydrological cycle of this incredible farm that we're going out to see. So I will catch you on my layover. Fun fact, I have worked for Dutch clients in so many different countries, everywhere pretty much except for Holland. In fact, this is the first time that I am even in Holland or the Netherlands, um, even though it doesn't really count to just have a layover in between flights. But it's something I think about as this is the first time that I've come to this country. I'm also thinking that even though I often judge those people who walk by in airports with those little neck pillows around them, I'm kind of rethinking that position because my neck is really sore after falling asleep on that last flight and seeing as I've got one that's about eight hours ahead of me mm, yeah I think I think I'm gonna have to reconsider my position on this one and well considering all the fun stuff is gonna start when I actually land in Costa Rica and then start the trek up to the farm in Nicaragua I'll leave it here for now and I will check in once I get to much warmer and hopefully much sunnier places yeah, what she said. All right, one more of these things. Let's do it. All right, so I didn't record last night because I was gassed before we, we went to bed early. And um, well, so I'm here with Jake, who's our team lead. Go ahead and say hi, bud. Hey, everybody, I'm Jake. And so we are just waiting in the lobby right now to get picked up to be taken to the border from Costa Rica to Nicaragua. And then our client is going to pick us up from there. And we're not going to get to work today, but hopefully we'll get to see the site, get established a little bit, and work is going to start tomorrow. Uh, Jake, tell me a little bit about what we're going to be doing over these next couple of days to give people a preview. Well, we're, uh, you know, we just flew in from different parts of the world, met up here in Costa Rica, and we're, uh, you know, we're heading to the site today to get a first look at it. Today the goal is going to probably be just to observe the site, 
and uh, get to know the client a little bit, talk with the client, and learn a little bit about what the long-term goals are for the property. Uh, from there, we can start to create a plan, uh, a design, and uh, begin to integrate that design. So we have a bulldozer uh, arranged with an operator. We have a couple days on site before uh, the bulldozer shows up. So we're gonna basically snap right into action, talking to the client, uh, walking on the land, looking at topographical maps, and you know, creating a game plan so that when that dozer shows up, we can use, we only have I believe five days on the site, and so we're going to make the most use we can of that time. Uh, basically, you know, find that most uh, important master line uh, where we can have the most effect with the least amount of earthworks, and uh, get that line cut in, and most importantly, actually be training the client as we go. So we know we can't fully accomplish the entire project in five days, but what we can do is get off to a really good start and uh, teach the client what we're doing and show him how to continue uh, with Earthworks and continue the project after we leave. Yeah, this is an important element because as I learned really quickly when I started to do designs for other people is like, if you are keeping all of this in your own head and you leave them with something that's incomplete or without an understanding of how to maintain it and mm -hmm. I guess coax it through its natural patterns of evolution, you're asking for trouble or if not complete failure within a short mm -hmm. period of time. So it is really a co-collaborative process and we've got to make sure that they understand what the next steps are and how to complete the installation process so that this can actually succeed in the long run. Absolutely, and not just complete, but to then be confident in maintaining the system and know how it works um, and be willing to learn and grow with their system. So, you know, as an installer for RAD, as a, as a consultant and an installation manager, you know, we obviously want to set our clients up with systems that fit their lifestyle, their needs, their goals as a, you know, whatever they're trying to grow or produce for their community. Uh, in this particular situation, since the, the client is in, you know, another country and requires a lot of work to come to them, we don't want to have to be making constant site visits here. It wouldn't be efficient for us to have to return to this site constantly. Um, so, yeah, one of the main goals here is to create a, a, a system that the client feels like they can take the wheel and uh, run it smoothly and hopefully uh, propagate it, hopefully the system can uh, continue growing within the community. He's already acquired one more property next to him, so we're already doing twice as much land as we originally were going to. And ideally, the neighbors catch on. There's no reason why these, uh, you know, terraced systems, these water management systems with the ecology couldn't just spread across that landscape with, you know, knowing that the client is trained and capable. Man, it would be really amazing to see if that starts to, to catch on. And, well, despite it sounding like we're in a club right now, we're just in the lobby <laughs> of the hotel. Hopefully our ride gets here pretty soon because I'm anxious to get out on site and get out of these sterile environments and the airports. I'm done with these for a couple of days. Um, but we'll check in again once we're out on the land. Absolutely. All right, so it's the end of a pretty long day. It took us all morning to get from the hotel where we left off a second ago mm -hmm. out here onto site, and we spent all of the afternoon right after lunch walking this property. How was the day for you? You've been on more of these than I have. 
it was uh, it was a good day, very uplifting. Uh, we had our challenges at the border. You know, they had trouble <laughs> wrapping their minds around what a rotary laser level is, but yeah, that took some explaining. We, yeah, we got. Thank God you had uh, you know the linguistic skills to get us uh, through, and uh, you know. I'm I'm tired. It's been a long day, but I feel really uh, excited about this project and uh, inspired by our first real interaction with the client. Inspired that uh, you know they really want to learn this. They want to get a grip on what they're doing on this property. It feels like a like a meaningful project that's going to really help them and help their community. So I'm excited to get uh, started tomorrow. Yeah, here in this early stage, is just a lot of ideas flying around. Mm-hmm. It's a interesting shape of a property in that it's super long and very narrow. Yeah. It's just like a little strip of land right through a big pasture that leads up into some really big hills, but is really flat at the the southern end. And it's, it's fairly north-south facing, or uh, facing, I guess, is the length of this long strip of property. Yeah. Which offers some interesting potential, but also some limitations because you can't necessarily follow the contour lines kind of where they would go naturally in the landscape. You get these cutoffs where where the borders of the property are. Uh, what were some of the things that you observed from, from what we saw today that make you think of uh, new potential and ideas and some things that we're going to have to work around? Yeah, I mean, there's limitations based on the the... Uh, shape of the property it's definitely long and narrow but it's a a very good it's a good size amount of acreage you know felt like we were walking around uh we definitely covered over 100 acres today in that walk and uh so even though the property is long and narrow by scale it's still still relatively wide yeah uh in a way the limitations are uh beneficial in that it helps us to split the project into sections yeah if if those boundaries weren't there this would actually be a massive project and it would be cool because all the topographical lines would be connectable and and there'd be a lot of benefits obviously to having uh no man-made uh you know boundaries on the site but working with it, you know, I'm, I'm, I think it's great because we're going to have sections that we can bite off one chunk at a time. Yeah. Uh, it's really easy to identify at least three major uh, drainage systems and to design each of them appropriately for the needs of the client, which at this point seems to be uh, watering livestock, uh, mainly cattle. Uh, you know, what's interesting here is that there's like a, a very long, very wet season where uh, we're confident we can charge, you know, a good amount of large ponds. We can charge our swales. Like we're going to get a lot of water moving through the system uh, all summer into the fall, and come dry season, you know, have the ability for ponds to hold water and be used for, uh, you know, you know, watering livestock and also a little bit of irrigation potentially. Yeah, actually, that was one of the things that was cool from both of our previous experiences is that, you know, I've lived in Guatemala in the past, which is not terribly far from here. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of things that I recognized. In fact, I felt really at home as soon as we got into the country. And, you know, between speaking the language and seeing a lot of plants and 
landscape features that I recognize. And then from mm -hmm. your experience of living and farming in Maui for a season, I was really impressed by how many trees and plants you were able to identify that you remember from the previous context of your farm. How did that kind of inform what you, some of the ideas that you came up with from things that you recognize from the past? Yeah, I mean, it kind of like what you said, I mean, felt really comfortable uh, coming back to that landscape. Uh, it's obviously different in a lot of ways from the Hawaiian Islands, but, uh, you know, that tropical region and the plant community felt really familiar to me. Uh, was really happy to see so many Glaricidia trees. Uh, Glaricidia has a special place in my heart as just an amazing tropical uh, nitrogen fixer coppice tree. And seeing it growing wild, uh, you know, showed me that, you know, we, we could really utilize that tree. Uh, gave me ideas how to maybe integrate coffee and cacao and uh, other shade tolerant, like understory trees into the Glaricidia forests on the property. And, uh, you know, also forgetting other species basically just getting them strongly adapted to the to the new property like whether we do mac nuts or uh, you know other food producing stuff like bananas papayas anything that's going to need a little uh, you know boost of organic matter to really thrive you know the option to chop and drop glaricidia is just an it's an amazing thing to have on the property already in you know, such numbers. I mean, that that was a lot of Glaricidia trees. Yeah, they were everywhere. Yeah. And Moringa as well. Absolutely. Especially in certain areas. One thing that I noticed from walking around is that though there is vegetation all over the place, I think because we are still very recently out of the rainy season, there was mm -hmm. still enough fresh evidence of where water flows. Yeah. And some fairly recent erosion areas that were very easy to pick out even from a distance without having to go in and bushwhack too far mm -hmm. which is kind of nice um so yeah so the evidence is there and you can see in a lot of places the level where the water got to in its in its peak where the debris has piled up but also the stark contrast you could see how much of it was running off because what it's been maybe a month since the last significant rains here and the at least the surface of the soil is quite brittle and deeply cracked, mm -hmm. which not only indicates the, the heaviness of the clay, but also how quickly a turnaround like that can happen because of the, the heat, mm -hmm. the, the strength of the sun, and I think we both noticed just how strong the winds can be today as well. So, I mean, it desiccates quite quickly. What were mm -hmm. some other things that you kind of picked up from the observations today? Well, what, what I enjoyed about that soil, uh, which kind of reminds me of my own farm, is that it looks all brittle and cracked and dry on the top. But, you know, you had found that piece. We were standing there together when you flipped over that piece of soil. And uh, as dry and cracked and brittle as it was, it was only maybe the top half an inch that was like that. Yeah. Uh, right underneath that was, you know, moist soil. And that's kind of one of the beauties of clay. Even though clay can be really hard to work with and it can be hard to get trees established in, they don't grow as fast in it as sand. It's such an incredible resource uh, in this particular uh, usage because if our goal is to store, catch 
and store as much water as we can during the wet season to last as long as we can into the dry season, it's going to be so much easier with clay soil than with sand because the water retention is so much greater. Right. And the ability for it to hold that moisture and slowly release it to the plants and uh, store it in the biology, it's just much greater. Yeah. So that gave me hope for the goals of the client and uh, it'll also help in getting you know the pond set up and, and being confident that they'll actually hold water once they fill right instead of just all that water draining right out like they would in sandy or uh, rocky soil and you know it also you know to see the plants that were thriving in that clay soil was pretty uh, encouraging uh, you know hardy species but nonetheless just to see them really adapted to that heavy clay and with no supplemental irrigation really thriving like the vetiver grass looked amazing and we'll utilize that on the terraces to you know help protect the new system against erosion and then even in some areas where uh you know he said there's that that good chunk of the year where there's no rain at all and to see uh papaya trees and a lot of other vegetation that you could, like perennial vegetation that you could tell was over uh, two years of age. So you know it's been through at least one and maybe two dry seasons already with no supplemental irrigation, that there's enough water uh, in that clay, held in that clay to uh, get those plants through the dry season on their own. Yeah, and, and that's also indicated by the well that they have on site, which is only 10 meters deep, which, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know how what your reference to other wells are. That's really shallow for other places that I've been that can sometimes go 30, 60, 70 meters deep before they hit water. Mm-hmm. So the water table being high is also an asset, and being able to raise it up even a little bit more is going to help to bottom irrigate uh, many of the perennial species that they're trying to get established and probably mm-hmm. even some deeper-rooted uh, hopefully perennial grasslands for the, the fodder and the forage for, for the animals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, look, let, let's talk real quick about what the next steps are and what we're going into tomorrow. Yeah, so tonight we're going to get some sleep. I think we're both exhausted from <laughs> the day's travels and uh, hiking around the property today. I don't know about uh, you, but I mean, you came from even colder weather than I did. I am struggling to adapt to the heat Oh today. yeah, no, it's balmy. I mean, it is... I don't know what the temperature really was today, but with the humidity and being in the full sun, it, it was definitely quite a transition from, uh, you know, snowy Colorado. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic we'll adapt in the next day or two and, uh, you know, gain a lot of energy just from the momentum of the project itself. We're, we're going to meet for coffee early tomorrow morning with the client and uh, go over some maps now that we've walked the property we've identified some really important points on the land some key points and uh points of interest which we've all kind of noted once we hit the maps tomorrow morning we can locate those points and start looking at uh you know looking at the reality of what we're able to do with that water and then we'll hit the field and uh you know put our design to the test using laser level and uh survey flags we're gonna we're gonna try to mark it out see how it looks see how it feels make some adjustments and and prepare for when the uh machinery arrives nice yeah i'm really excited for this part you know we've just been talking about kind of this endless theoretical potential at this point and now we're going to narrow it down into something that we can start to take action on and really Mm -hmm. see some results in just a few days so 
Yeah, let's let's get some rest. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Tired. <laughs> All right, so I'm back here with Jake, and we skipped a day for good yeah. reason because not a lot happened on the first day. Um, we had some setbacks. Yeah, we we did our best, but we uh, there were some things we couldn't overcome on that first day. Uh, the the laser level I brought with me to Nicaragua got a bump on its head during the traveling and it was uh it was unfunctional so you know i'm gonna bring it back with me see if i can get it fixed but no chance of having it run on this trip uh the only one we could find was hours away in managua and when we got it delivered to the ranch it also did not work straight out of the box yes yeah, so now we the had odds? two broken laser levels yeah yours had been working like a champ for years and on tons of jobs Mm-hmm. Just go figure. It was the one time that it was not working, and then we got one fresh out of the box with some sort of sensor issue, and it didn't work either. So yes. we were not moving that first day. Yesterday was kind of a wash, uh, but you know it gave us a chance to talk about plant species, rotational grazing patterns, and kind of you know get to know our clients better. Yeah, uh, get to know better what their goals are, and in a way, kind of a blessing and. Uh, we got to come out today with a fresh energy, and today actually, it, 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 today was a lot better than yesterday. It was a lot better than yesterday, mostly because we did finally get a level that's working. Correct. It took us a while. <laughs> we spent a lot of the morning, both our client and I, hunting around in Spanish, calling up ferreterias or, or hardware stores, both here in Nicaragua and in Costa Rica hoping to maybe get something over to the border that we could then pick up. Anyway, it ended up getting solved, and though it took a while, we did have to order another piece of equipment from Manawa, which is just under three hours away. Uh, We got our guy on the bulldozer started in the morning digging ponds, and that worked out quite well. The guy's quite experienced. We didn't need a whole lot of supervision. We just kind of pointed him at a spot, gave him some indications with the flags about where he needed to create some shapes and stay more or less on level. And beyond that, it was really simple. Yeah, it was a great use of time while we waited for the laser level to be delivered uh, to get our dozer operator running. And there's a few key points on the properties, uh, really, you know, natural and, uh, you know, hard to miss water collection basins, places that just want to be ponds naturally. And what was amazing is we eyeballed those spots, we picked them out intuitively, we we knew that the ponds wanted to happen in those zones, and we we flagged out where the ponds would go, the dozer operator started uh, working on them, and as he was working on the second pond, it started to rain, it was just a beautiful blessing uh, for us on the project, and the laser level showed up right then, and we started to get to put flags in the ground and and one of the really amazing things to me was how uh the ponds that we had dug actually you know against all odds they ended up being pretty much uh perfectly where we would have wanted them anyway whether we'd had the laser level or not yeah it it was uh a beautiful moment to realize that we could you know we, we were able to move on we were able to keep on going but once that laser level showed up, man, we we started making some real moves and got got a lot of uh, you know a lot of flags in the ground. Yeah, it was really interesting for me to watch you take the lead on scoping out a master line that 
had an interesting journey around a ridge because I guess maybe we should tell a little of a backstory here. So the, the shape of the land that we're working on is large, but it's very thin and very long. And mm-hmm. so the result of that is that many of the little watersheds that are contained with within it are cut off from one another. You can't wrap a line around those without crossing borders into neighboring land. And in some cases, we can make little jumps because they're on good terms with the neighbors and it, it's not an issue. But the, the land on, on one side is totally off limits. And so that kind of creates some creative constraints that we need to think around. Mm-hmm. And you managed to find a really brilliant master line that curved around a ridge that they're scoping out for possibly putting a house on. And we went back and forth a couple of times, just adjusting it a little um, from going perfectly on contour to having a little bit of a pitch in order to bring water from one site to another. And after those minor adjustments, we were able to connect the first pond that we had started building in the morning with only about a two foot drop. Yeah, about 24 inches. All the way to the next one. And yeah, that was really brilliant how that ended up connecting. Yeah, and it opened up all kinds of other opportunities. Once we saw how those two ponds could be connected, uh, the design revealed itself for the rest of that section of the project. The way we were going to parallel off of those lines, the way we were going to move that water. And uh, that's what I love about this kind of work is if you use the simple equations at the beginning and you understand the uh you know the parameters you understand there are rule like the basic rules of course like you can't make water move uphill you can't go through this fence line there's things that we have to stick to yeah and as long as we stay within those uh those rules and we give ourselves a little bit of a buffer even it's amazing what will just reveal itself as opportunity around that what would you say are some of the biggest takeaways from today and what we've learned so far that you're going to bring with you? You know, today, uh, the takeaway for me was just that we're on the right track. Uh, and that's what a lot of these projects give me, but just because a lot of projects give me that doesn't mean that any project giving me that is less powerful than any other project. Um, my takeaway today was that yeah we had some issues yesterday yes we we were tested things were not perfect uh but you know we're here with good intentions we're here with clear minds we want to help our clients meet their goals we want to help uh you know hydrate this ecosystem hydrate this landscape and create opportunity for trees opportunity for grazing cattle and and you know my takeaway today as i go to sleep uh, tonight very shortly is going to simply be that we're on the right track, I feel good about what we're doing, and I'm grateful uh, to be able to get to do this work. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, after taking a dip at the end of the day in the ocean like we've been doing each night since we got here, it's really refreshing ends to long hours out in very hot terrain. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, One of the things that that I'm kind of bringing back is, so I've been sharing a few of the photos from what we've been doing in the Discord channel, where the the audience from this podcast often gets together and chats about their own projects. And 
one of the questions that often comes up, especially since you can't really tell from the photos, is you know how do you store water when it looks like the the soil is kind of sandy and you know there's a lot that you can't tell from those images. Um, one thing that here on the ground you can definitely tell is just how heavy the clay that we're working with is. Oh yeah, even in areas where there is a lot of organic matter and there's a significant difference in the color. It's very, very dark and clearly is quite rich too. Mm -hmm. The other thing is when you're walking over it, even though it's been dry for a while and some, some of it has been kind of crumbled over and sealed, there are massive cleavages in this soil. It's mm -hmm. not like most of the cracked capping clay that I've seen in other places. I mean, right. some of these go down, I would say two, two feet from what I've seen. Like yeah. there's big openings down in the earth there. This is some of the heaviest clay that I've come across on, on the jobs that I've worked. And the advantage to that in holding water is that it seals really well. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to take some of the precautions that I've been taught to do in other places where you have to key in a dam or you have to extra compact certain layers. We can be a little, I don't want to say careless, but like we don't have to go through so many of the steps that are required when you're working with less permeable material. Mm -hmm. And that said, there's also nothing wrong if water infiltrates into the ground in your ponds. If it doesn't hold water for a really long time, that's not a bad thing. And it's also not something that you should, I guess, tether your idea of success to. If you're putting water into the soil and holding it into, like, you know, creating opportunities for biological life and just preventing it from escaping as, as runoff and taking material with it, that in itself is a success. And I think that's one of the, the most common things that I end up talking with others about. It's like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't, the, the pond doesn't stay full or it starts to drain or it, it's leaking, it's, it's losing water. Mm -hmm. It does not necessarily mean that it's leaking, right? It's infiltrating and those Correct. two things are very different. Yeah. So I guess that's one of my learnings from this site and obviously we're, we're not really going to be here uh, for it to fill because we are at the very beginning of the dry season, but I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how this evolves. And I guess another thing to have in mind too is that, as you've repeated to the clients here, the first couple of years are probably when it's gonna be the most permeable. Sometimes it takes a while for the pressure of the water to compact the layers down below, for biology to move in and start to glay or seal off those layers, or in some cases, for the groundwater to recharge enough so that uh, it doesn't start to, to um, I guess, infiltrate or percolate down nearly as much because, it, because it's become higher. So mm -hmm. that's another thing to have in mind, especially when you're installing these, these new features, is that there's an adjustment period, and it takes yeah. a while for them to reach a homeostasis, both with biology and with uh, kind of compaction in the geology as well. And that's something we have to explain to clients often, is like part of the RAD system the restoration agriculture system it's not that we're we're the goal is not to have ponds that stay full all the time yeah that might be your goal but it might not also be a reality the reality is that there's in this region specifically there's a wet season and a dry season and during the wet season they have an obscene amount of rain more than they could ever utilize and it saturates the landscape so how can we take that water from these oversaturated areas of their land and gently transport it to the areas that are going to be the driest and the most brittle during their dry season and get the most out of it and, uh, you know, 
as Mark always says, you know, really spread it out and slow it down and soak it into the landscape and charge these uh, these hillsides, these knolls, which are so fun to wrap around and then curving back through the valleys. The, the topography is just uh, there's some really real cool joy topography to here. Yeah. yeah, it's really fun. It's challenging. It's uh, it's inspiring, and it, it it offers so many opportunities to in contrast to some flatter places or some more like jagged and rocky places which just don't offer the opportunity to cut and make uh, features into them too so yeah mm -hmm. this is this is a really fun project and I guess tomorrow is going to be the full the first full day with the laser level and I think we're going to make a ton of progress yeah and we'll be running the laser we'll be uh, checking the berms the the dams on those ponds we just built making sure that you know the spillways and the discharges everything is how we want it that the berms are even and level and uh also be, be you know starting the the paralleled system the uh the process of marking parallel contour uh lines that will be cut into swales coming off of these master lines we put in today and a quick reminder if any of the terms of what we're talking about are not bringing an image to mind or you're having trouble uh, connecting with or understanding them I have released some of the pictures on the show notes by the time this comes out and hopefully on the Instagram account which I'll tag Jake in too because he's been doing some incredible projects for a long time plus his farm is awesome so I'm sure I'll repeat this again but just to make sure that it's said here if you want to have some visuals to go along with what we're talking about I've been taking extensive pictures and hopefully some videos too uh, <laughs> that I'll have a chance to publish by the time this comes out. But I think we'll leave it there for this evening. It's been a long yeah. day. I'm ready to get some rest, and we'll check in again after tomorrow. We're sure good at doing this when we're exhausted after a full I know, day we, out in the field. we got to do this sometime when we've got some more energy. Hit it after sure. coffee one day, at least one day. Yeah, yeah, in the morning. <laughs> that would be good, too. All right, we'll check in again soon. All right, Jake, here we are again. This would have been day three of our work, our project here, had it not been for the day that we lost because of the malfunctioning equipment. But today we really seem to have hit our stride. Give me a little rundown about what we accomplished. You know, today we we just started cruising. I felt like we we all just hit a point where we uh, we were blessed to have enough people on this small crew that we could kind of split up tasks. Uh, we had the bulldozer running, digging ponds, and also carving out our first swales today. Uh, we had, we're blessed with an amazing operator, a local Nicaraguan guy who's just crushing it. Yeah. I mean, digging the most beautiful swales. He's really good at it. He understands the concept. And a lot of the time when you get a new operator, it's really difficult to explain to them what we're looking for on these systems. And the fact that he picked it up right away He's making nice deep swales, beautiful berms, compacting them down, and uh, leaving a nice clean product. It's uh, making our job really easy today. That's right. Don Julio Lopez is kicking ass. Yeah. Uh, really nice guy, too. I've been kind of the main point of contact with him since I speak Spanish, and it's been really fun to work closely with a large machine. It's something that I didn't have experience with before or now. It's always been kind of smaller equipment. Uh, because there have been smaller projects and seeing the difference about not only how much work can get done with that kind of horsepower but some of the intricacies in its lack of mobility and dexterity compared to some smaller stuff and how I need to kind of consider and think about that I mean obviously he handles his machine just fine he has over 20 years of experience this guy um, 
but in paying attention to how it's following a design that he's not installed before. I mean, he's installed mm-hmm. features, but he's admitted that this is something new that he hasn't done before, which is which is cool. It's a learning experience yeah, for great. all of us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so you kind of blasted ahead while I was working with the machine and got in quite a few other lines. Uh, tell me about some things that emerged from the design today. It's just such a fascinating property for how narrow the actual property is, how much we're able to still move the water and keep the water on the property. You know, being the goal to hydrate the landscape, especially the dry ridges, which are south-facing and prone to really high winds, you know, also, you know, which is the remedy for drying out fast. Yeah. It's amazing to see the opportunities, how these, all these ridges connect into a valley and we can't always get a nice one clean line to make it happen because of how narrow the property is but by moving the water high up on the landscape dropping it down and picking it up and sweeping it around again we can uh really manipulate the course of that water with the goal of hydrating those hillsides and the client couldn't be happier and uh is really excited about the aspects of you know growing everything from fruit trees and nut trees to uh just pasture for running cattle, raising beef, and uh, the idea of having green grass into his dry season potentially is is really what's getting him excited right now. And there's also been a lot going on outside of just, you know, the work that's being accomplished on the site. We've been having long conversations after hours when we go and get our dinner and, you know, have an end-of-the-day beer about animal management and agroforestry options. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we had a long conversation just now before coming back to the hotel for the day about considerations for where to put roads and access ways and mm-hmm. how that fits in with these water features and is actually uh, enhanced by them as well as the fact that there is one main road that cuts through the entire property that's the main access to get through and beyond to other properties which mm-hmm. they can't change it's it's a legal road and it can't be altered because of rights of way and the challenges and the opportunities that that presents because it does yeah. kind of violently cut through a lot of the topography and unmanaged can become more of a drain on the landscape uh, mm-hmm. because it is in contrast to a lot of this slowing down and spreading that the features we're putting in right now are, are designed for. And so thinking about the disadvantages of not being able to work with it, but also the creative opportunities, much like the constraint of the narrow aspect of this property, um, but also the creative constraint of working with a, a road feature that we can't alter and how we can mm-hmm. still make sure that at the very least we're mitigating the damage that it would do, but also the possibility for using it as a positive feature when that mm-hmm. exists as well. Um, it's a cool puzzle. I'm really enjoying mm-hmm. not only you know the, the fact that every one of these projects is different, but since we're going through extra lengths right now to explain these with the guys who are out on site because mm-hmm. they're highly motivated to learn and hopefully even be able to either uh, expand this project for quite a ways to come, but also probably offer this knowledge to some of their, uh, their peers and people in the community so that this can happen without necessarily having us or anybody else having to come down and guide them. Yeah, and that's one of my favorite things and what caught my attention the most about RAD early on in working with Mark Shepard is that this information it's not being withheld it's yeah the goal isn't to mysteriously show up and install a system yeah. and leave and there be this like cloud of mystery around it 
what we're doing is something we want to see more of in the world. We truly believe this is what's going to, uh, you know, potentially create, you know, drought. Uh, it's going to drought-proof our agricultural systems. Yeah. It's going to uh, provide food security and it's all you know not Heal to mention damage, the lifestyle the lifestyle around it as well absolutely and so to see these clients so uh so excited about the system and not only that but wanting to learn it take it in utilize the tools they're running the laser levels they're they're trying to assert themselves into every part of the project yeah. to really get it dialed to me this is why i originally was drawn to this type of work with rad in the first place is we want regional experts we want people who can step up, be uh, inspired and motivated in their region to make a difference, and improve the local food systems. And uh, to see these guys, the way they've taken this on, and adapted to it, learned it, and even when they're confused, not afraid to ask questions, and we've had such great conversations, troubleshooting yeah. all aspects of this project, Every everything from the earthworks, the the earthworks and hydrology to the silvopasture and animal management to the plant species and agroforestry system they're they're just they're all in and so it's encouraging to me i want them to take the wheel we're going to do everything we can to get them off to a good start so what's coming up tomorrow what are we going to aim for and what do we need to prepare you know tomorrow we've got more lines to cut in we've been trying to stay ahead of our dozer operator because of that hiccup we had early on where we were without proper tools we got behind by a day so the dozer is kind of on our tail uh, he's we're not wanting to keep him sitting in his machine not working so tomorrow we're going to be uh, continuing to do uh, layout getting flags in the ground marking the way that we're going to convey water across the landscape stay ahead of him so he can come behind us and be cutting in these lines and we're we already got ahead of him today pretty well and so we're going to continue just to kind of work hard to um, continue working our way down through the whole system and keep the driver on track keep the dozer running and keep the uh the earthwork install you know in motion and keep the momentum around that yeah, and with the overall goal of not necessarily finishing this system, because there's a lot of areas of the property that are still difficult to get to at this point and are not high priority at the moment, mm -hmm. um, but getting in the mainframe design and at least going through it with them enough times that they get the practice and we troubleshoot anything that could be tricky mm -hmm. so that they can continue on and, you know, if they need remote help, we can always offer that as well, mm -hmm. but the... The most important stuff, hopefully, will get finished before before the end of our time here. And that's why we're really focusing right now on prioritizing the master lines, yeah. the engineered lines. Uh, we really want to make sure we leave them with uh, the tricky and the difficult uh, layout aspects complete. And that way, uh, not only do they get that installed and done and not have to worry about it, but they also got to be part of doing that with us. So it was a learning experience for them. One thing we're going to hop in tomorrow is parallels. Uh, now that we've gotten most of our master lines uh, laid out and engineered, and we're happy with, you know, we're happy with where they're laid out on the landscape, we can move on to working with the area in between. And that area in between is going to be a parallel system 
we have a gentle enough topography in some areas we can pull off uh, keeping really even alley widths uh, throughout the system all the way down. Um, it's not going to work everywhere on the land, especially in steep areas with really abnormal, uh, you know, ridge formations and things that we, we wouldn't be able to get far enough in a parallel system to make it worth it. Yeah. The, it's too, uh, too sporadic, the topography. But as we get lower on the property, we find these really beautiful sweeping hillsides that gently uh, almost turn into bottomlands, uh, you know, areas that are wetter and uh, flatter. So to run a parallel system in there, create a rotational grazing pattern for the cattle with with those parallel uh, parallel swales and the alleys between, mm -hmm. and then to basically take that moisture and spread it out evenly across the landscape. We're going to accomplish a lot of the goals. Well, I don't know about you, but I am extremely tired at this point. It was a really oh, yeah. hot day, and there was really, really high winds as a way of just taking your energy out. Um, yeah, I ate a lot of dust today. Yeah, me too. Oh, my goodness. Following the bulldozer as it was kicking up dust in front of me and just having a whip in my face, that was rough. I've gotten to the point, especially because I got pretty sunburned the first day, that I am like fully covered in a long sleeve shirt. I've got a bandana tucked underneath my baseball cap. I'm like trying to shield myself from the sun as best as possible. I don't know about you, but uh, oh, that, yeah. that heat coming from freezing cold where I was, where we actually got some snow the night that I left, to full-on tropical heat in the dry season, it's been an adjustment. That's been probably the biggest challenge so far. I think every, mm -hmm. well, I guess once we got our, <laughs> once we got our equipment, that, that was actually a bigger challenge. But now it's a matter of just like staying healthy, keeping our energy levels up, making sure we, you know, kind of respond appropriately to, to the weather and stuff and kind of use that to moderate our pace. But uh, mm -hmm. everything else is looking, looking really good. I'd say we're on track. All right. Let's get some rest and get this going again tomorrow. Heck yeah. All right. End of another day. Mm -hmm. Jake, how did this one go? It, uh, it cut a little bit short. You know, it wasn't what we were expecting. The bulldozer broke down. Uh, but at this stage in the project, we're just rolling with the punches. We, uh, you know, we, we really got a lot of motivation out of the way this project started it was a slow start we had issues and we you know have just been working really hard to make up for lost time uh and so now with this bulldozer breaking down it's it's really not going to stop us uh we're just going to keep on you know putting flags in the ground laying out the design and the client at this point is uh confident and able to you know, oversee the actual installation with the bulldozer when it gets repaired. So, yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that I was working with Rodrigo on today was uh, guiding the first cuts from the bulldozer to make mm -hmm. sure that they properly follow the line, that they take an angle, and then guide them into shaping the different options for terraces that you want and kind of the considerations for order, you know, getting rid of the uh, vegetation first. Mm hmm kicking it off to a, same, a safe place and then starting to cut in a comfortable track for the bulldozer so it can work safely because on mm -hmm. certain levels or, or grades uh, it, it gets kind of dicey about whether it could tip over or not and so you need to kind of yeah. make it a safe workspace first it's uh it's fun it's fun yeah and we definitely got into steep 
uh, terrain today. The steepest we've gotten onto yet. Yep. Uh, there was an area we just decided not to go through with. Yeah, we kind of closer inspection. We had uh, we had one area that we were hoping we could uh, mark out and have the operator, you know, terrace for us. But upon inspecting it, I mean, it, it just really became clear it was not going to be safe. And so we adapted to that and uh, still utilized the valley structure, but were unable to to basically connect it in with the rest of the system. And it was a minor set. It wasn't even a setback. I'd well, say. the thing we, is, whenever you're evaluating something like this, there comes a point where you have to ask yourself whether the amount of energy or risk is worth what you would gain by by doing it. Yeah. And it was, you know, maybe a couple hundred yards, a couple hundred meters worth of extra extension on a terrace. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't worth you know what could possibly be lost in time or in a breakdown with the machine in in forcing it to work so absolutely and I, and I mean the machine could have done it it just would have taken them so long yeah it would have not been worth it for the client for what they would have gained yeah because you know renting these machines is expensive and that's in any part of the world and yeah so you need to make some pragmatic decisions about where to use its time effectively Mm-hmm. and the amount of gain that you're going to be rewarded for. And there's just easier spots that we needed to catch up on, so we skipped that part. And instead of trying to connect that system in with that drainage in with the uh, overall the rest of the system, instead we took a different approach. The, uh, the, the valley formation there, the drainage itself is like very steep. You can see massive erosion. You can actually see lava rock and like pretty deep channels <coughs> cut through that center yeah and so instead of trying to cut in swales all we did in there was uh create dams so uh as the water comes rushing down that drainage it'll hit the first dam backfill into the channel it was coming down it'll, it'll just take all that momentum out of that water uh cure that zone of uh of erosion and when that uh, pond does overflow it'll it'll flow into the next pond down so we did a total of four ponds in that drainage yep not with the goal of catching the water and sending it across the landscape but just with the goal of catching it slowing it down and forcing it to uh soak in right where it is and backfill those channels rather than sending it on contour yeah and then so like you said before we got served a curveball just before lunchtime when mm-hmm. the bulldozer broke a belt and since it's Saturday afternoon right now and most people here don't work on Sunday we're just gonna have to wait for the mechanic to come out and fix it on Monday morning but by then we'll have had to leave so we'll be long gone yeah and since we were already quite far ahead of the bulldozer we just decided to call it a half day because what we have predicted for tomorrow we have more than enough time to complete and mm-hmm. yeah we just decided to take advantage of a little opportunity to rest i took a nap <laughs> yeah it was it was nice to take a little breather i got to have a cold beer look out at the ocean and uh you know just take a step back and gain some perspective on the project and that's always nice to do when you're out there in the hot sun dehydrated and like the machines running and the laser level is spinning and you're getting beeped at and you're just very much in the zone and i love that feeling yep. but then there's something about taking a step back, 
gaining, clearing your mind, having a, uh, a new perspective, and then it it helps to, uh, you know, how to the ways to consider the project, how to reapproach the project when we go back tomorrow, and you know, just do our best for our clients here. Yeah, and you know, sometimes it can depend on the length of a project. If you build in weekends for longer projects, you kind of get those anyway. And mm -hmm. I still like to spend time on the site and kind of look at it without this go, go, go yeah. attitude. Because, you know, this is a pretty fast-paced thing where you jump in, you're walking all day, you're looking at all kinds of features, and then we had a machine waiting for us. And obviously we got a little bit of a slower start up until now, but things really hit the gas over the last couple of days. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, we're not here for a full week, so there's not a weekend built in. So just having an afternoon was really helpful for me. And I'm excited to really look at what we accomplished. Like, I think by tomorrow, once we get everything flagged out, we'll be able to translate what we did uh, out in the field onto our map, measure the linear feet, actually get to, you know, estimate how many trees the system is going to support on yeah. the swales, how much room there is in the alleys for other alley crops and silvopasture, and get a really cool... Uh, view of what we just accomplished and how we just set the client up yeah and so i'm pretty excited to get to that point and see you know basically what kind of potential we just unlocked and and how much uh my favorite is just how many linear feet we actually installed yeah. of water management because that's the course the water now has to take in order to leave the property whereas it used to be you know a quick direct route right down that eroded gulch now we're bouncing that water back and forth across the landscape, soaking it in, spreading it out. It, and when we see how many linear feet it actually has to travel to leave, it'll, you know, that to me, that's one of my favorite uh, measurements to take. Yeah. And at the same time, we're very early in the overall development of this site. This is a big initial intervention, but it's going to evolve and it, mm -hmm. it's going to express itself differently during different seasons. Yeah. Hopefully after the next one or two years, these ponds are really going to start to hold water for a significant period of time, which is going to make a huge difference in the ecosystem of this place. And, you know, I can only imagine what it's going to start to look like. I don't have the same reference to the, the tropical cultivation methods that we've been talking about. They're still not 100% sure about the enterprises that they're going to kick off. There's a lot mm -hmm. of options. It's been a huge portion of what we've been talking about in off hours yeah and you know this afternoon was another great opportunity to understand the guys that we're working with right now and what some of their preferences are what some of their passions are and help to guide mm -hmm. that towards some decisions on how they might enter into maybe the business aspect or maybe the lifestyle aspect of this that's really going to get them towards what they want to experience on this because they're living here too you know in mm -hmm. some cases farms are you know, off-site or people live in town and they go to their farm during the day. It's a whole other experience from my, uh, from my work with clients in thinking of it as a home yeah. rather than just a workspace. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really interesting to, to see their take on it and how these might uh, develop. Yeah, and they really treat that place like a home, even though they don't live there yet. You know, mm -hmm. the plan is to build there and move onto the land. But it's you can tell the first thing when you drive in, it's not just ranch land it's not just a farm you know they've really put a lot of effort into making the well the when you first drive onto the property it's a very uh landscaped very welcoming uh arrangement of you know beautiful edible and uh 
and also just enjoyable plants. Um, yeah. You know, you know the grass is green. The you feel like there's a real sense of abundance, and a lot of that actually comes from the way they take care of that zone one. The way you know they make the compost and spray it. They give a lot of attention to that area there, so everything looks really beautiful and vibrant and strong. And what I'm excited to help them do is just spread that to the rest of their land. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, it's getting late. We got another yeah. big full day tomorrow, and then we're going to be rushing out far too soon, but, you know, these things come to a close. Yeah. So let's get some rest and check in again tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow we'll bust out some parallels. Nice. All right. All right, here's a fun update. We are in the back of a taxi. We just crossed over the border from Nicaragua into Costa Rica, back on the way to our flights back home. We didn't do our check-in last night because, well, it was the last day of work and so we decided to have a little party with the clients and that went a little bit late and then we had to pack so it's probably even best that we're doing this check-in now so that we're not so tired. Uh, Jake, how are you feeling after the end of this job? Feeling good. I'm happy that we're, uh, you know, to me like to leave with happy clients, uh, feel really good about the work we did and know that I'm on my way home, get to see my family. I feel like we accomplished what we set out to do and, uh, you know, went above and beyond. We, we really gave everything we had for this. So um, I feel uh, satisfied with our work. I'm excited to get back to my family. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, me too. Uh, we definitely fielded a few curveballs on this one between the laser level not working and then the bulldozer breaking down. I got some messages just now from the bulldozer operator that they're fixing it as we speak. And hopefully they're even up and running now since it took us a painful amount of time to get through customs. <laughs> they really had difficulty dealing with a laser level. I think like they'd never seen the machine before and just didn't have a category for it. And it took us like an hour and a half longer <laughs> just to get that machine through and do the paperwork for it. So little tip for anybody else trying to come down to Latin America with their own rig. Uh, get it sent ahead of time or buy one in the country. It will save you a lot of time. Yeah, it you know, taking everything into account, the damage that my laser level sustained in travel combined with the, uh, you know, the, the pain it was to get it through customs, uh, I would not recommend. Yeah, a little learning experience for all of us here. So what are kind of the final takeaways, learnings, things that you're left with after this job? Because you have a lot more experience doing this kind of stuff and more comparison for other similar contracts and this is pretty new for me at least working on this scale how would you say this kind of compares to some of the other jobs that you've done we it's such a uh, hard question to answer in some ways but I mean how would compare to other projects I mean this project had highs and lows I mean we had a whole day of downtime where we were just waiting for equipment to be up to our standards we had uh you know, the once we had the correct equipment, the way we shot back from that and made up for lost time was a real high. We accomplished all the goals of the client, and then some. We have their whole system marked out, flagged out, and now all they have to do is oversee the installation with the bulldozer. So they're happy. Um, you know, the land itself, kind of like the project, had a big diversity of you know microclimates and different areas. Uh, very different water tables in different parts of the property. In some areas we had uh, 
you know, really poor red clay that you could tell had almost no organic matter in it whatsoever up on the ridges where there's no water being retained. And then down in the valleys, uh, we'd see this rich black soil, um, you know, this, it was heavy clay, but you could tell there was a lot of organic matter, a lot of decomposed uh, plant material mixed in with that soil. And seeing that gave us a lot of hope, knowing that by spreading that moisture out onto the ridges and soaking it in, we could see that kind of improvement, uh, you know, across the whole landscape. So I, I feel really, you know, how it compared to other projects, to me, this was like a home run. Uh, being able to see that contrast in the soil types, contrast in the moisture content across the landscape, and then knowing what, what we're doing, just spreading that out, how powerful that's going to be uh, for their land. Yeah, and one of the other things that we've been talking about throughout this is that this project was unique in that it was essentially a private workshop. Every single day we were teaching, we were guiding with the hopes that this team of guys can take the project on and see it through beyond the timeline that we have to be out here. And I think that's something that, I mean, in, with you taking the lead, we really accomplished. Uh, there were times when they were shadowing us doing layout. There were other times when I was showing them how to, you know, mark out flags with the bulldozer following. And on the last day, uh, one of the neighbors who's also got kind of a stake in the project, they're combining their their adjacent plots of land. I went with him out onto one of the hills where he's thinking about potentially building a house, and we marked out the start of a spiral, <laughs> but we we kind of got stopped as we started to get into the jungle, and poor guy was not wearing long sleeves or long pants, and uh, I don't know, there was some sort of plant in there. We didn't identify it, but it was full of little stinging needles, and the poor guy almost went into shock, and like I had to go back home and shower and clean off so that's another learning from this is like wear good protective clothes Gear when you're up. bushwhacking through the jungle boots long pants long sleeve shirt hat has been my uh my uniform and i'm i'm very happy with how it performed yeah same i was covered up the whole time too i mean it's not super comfortable when it comes to ventilation and keeping the heat away but it more than makes up for it for the protection from the sun and from all the stinging plants and just you know the little stuff that pokes you and makes it uncomfortable it's worth it to be properly protected out in the field um but yeah so wrapping up this sort of like a workshop and i'm feeling really confident that these gentlemen are going to take this into really new heights there are a few kind of far out areas of the property that we didn't really get into doing layout but it's because they're low priority they're difficult to access it might not even be practical to bring machinery in there but these guys can develop that over time with what they've learned here and expand on the system that we've marked out and gotten a really good start in actually installing and in those areas of the farm where machinery access is going to be nearly impossible and even if we could get a bulldozer back there it wouldn't be reasonable um very steep, very uh, kind of wild jungle terrain on a lot of that back acreage. And so what I'm, I was really happy how quickly the clients picked up on our methods. They understand how to run the laser level, run parallels off of our master line. They understand all these basics now, have all the tools they need. And uh, instead of earthworks on that back acreage, they're going to most likely plant, uh, you know, timber crops and 
kind of, you know, set and forget kind of crops, long-term investment trees, and they're going to plant them all on contour with vetiver grass and other shrubs. And that way they are still contour farming the back acreage. They are still creating uh, the strength of a contour line, but in vegetation instead of in earthworks. And so I'm excited to see how they contour farm that back acreage, uh, how those plantings go, what trees they end up choosing, and uh, how that really fills in and looks in a few years. Yeah, absolutely. And to their credit as well, they've been doing a lot of research and learning for months ahead of this happening. So they were really up to speed and could keep up with us this entire time. Uh, I think that was probably a really good investment on their part. And on top of that, we were able to talk really in depth about the planting potential, the farm enterprise potential, the ecological restoration potential, and all of these things that they could consider uh, moving forward and, and deciding how to evolve this project further. So, um, yeah, super successful, really great way to start. I'm really looking forward to more collaborations with you in the future. And I tell you what, the next step we got to do is do a, a full interview about your farm and everything that you've developed out there because I've been learning a bit. I've been following you on Instagram for a number of years. I actually didn't realize it was going to be you coming out here since I followed you for a while. That was a bit serendipitous. Um, so there's still a lot of ways that we're going to take this on and kind of nurture the relationships that came out of this. You know, we've been talking about running workshops in the past down here as really good examples for what can be accomplished with these water systems in tropical ecologies. Maybe even get Mark down here to, to lead a workshop and make it available as translation in Spanish as well. There's quite a few things that are going to evolve from this on a personal level as well. Absolutely. I can't wait to see where it all goes, and it's been amazing working with you. Uh, it's been awesome to develop a relationship and you know, talk about ideas for the future and just see, uh, you know, how we can all work together towards this goal that's bigger than all of us, which is, you know, uh, providing ecological uh, refugia along with, you know, food security for our local communities and how that can go hand in hand. It doesn't have to be separate. Yeah, absolutely. And so for anybody who's really enjoyed listening to this journey, on how we designed and executed uh, an installation in a place like this, by all means, reach out. Uh, both Jake and I both do kind of private contracting work. We also work through restoration agriculture development. And just depending on what it is that is needed from the clients, we can adapt, we can bring a, a crew or a team together if that's what's called for, or we can just give, you know, small select and, and dedicated services if that's what's appropriate as well. So I really encourage anybody to reach out. I will also put all of the links for our own businesses, our own social media accounts, and how to get in touch with uh, the team at RAD as well. So there's every opportunity to, to uh, hopefully collaborate with some of you listeners as well. Sounds like a plan. All right. Until next time. So there you have it, everybody. I really hope that you enjoyed this new format. I am hanging out in the Liberia airport right now because my flight was delayed. In fact, I think I'm actually going to miss my connection in Amsterdam going back to Barcelona. It's a whole show. But goodness knows I've got extra time now. So um, if this is something that's interesting to you, you would like to come along with me for the jobs that I'm doing, I've got a lot more coming up.
and not just installations and designs like this, but I've got farm visits, I've got uh, conferences and workshops that I'm going to be teaching. This year is looking pretty jam-packed, and that's when I'm away from the farm. Goodness knows there's plenty of projects and considerations for how I'm developing my own site that I would love to bring you along for. So please reach out and let me know if this is interesting, if I can do this any better. <laughs> it's very new for me as well. And I look forward to developing this and learning alongside all of you. So I'll see you on the next one. And up until then, by all means, join me and the rest of the members from the uh, Regenerative Skills community on our Discord server. You can get the link either through our bio on Instagram or through the link on the homepage of the website at regenerativeskills.com. I'll see you there. And of course, some things are still going to stay the same, even though I'm going to make all these changes with the format and try some experiments on the show now. Don't forget to keep taking those little steps every day towards a regenerative future, and I'll be right by your side along the way. <laughs>